1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. You know, I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just come and hunt with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if you're only going to shoot one duck, Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, and this week is all about concealment. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty well, Ben. How about yourself? Doing great, except I'm recording from my downstairs bathroom mm. because my podcast studio, aka my my bar downstairs, is all packed up, and uh, we're getting we're getting kind of in the final stages of moving right now. So, well, um. That is probably slightly better. I'm recording from a spare bedroom in a condo in Utah. So neither you nor I are like in our idyllic recording situations right now, but I think we're going to make it work. I'm going to get some comments. People are going to be like, oh my gosh, your audio sounds so much better now. (laughs) The acoustics are just amazing. Oh man. (laughs) Damn it. I got to record from a bathroom (laughs) from now on. Yeah, exactly. And it is the downstairs bathroom, which is, you know, I don't know if you know, you live in an apartment yeah, right now, but I mean, we have, we have two bathrooms, which yeah, whatever. Anyways, people didn't come here to listen to us talk about our bathrooms. No, they sure did not. Okay. What you got? Well, I'll tell you, you know, as far as the inspiration for this episode. So I was out with a trip the other day, uh, last week, and birds could have come in from anywhere. And I've got about four spots on this river that I like to hunt. Um, and I've got, I've got four blinds set up and we were having a 
we were having a cold front come through, which would normally be good, except it was going to totally alter the direction from which the birds were coming in on. So uh, they could come in anywhere off the spot, off a river channel, off a main body of water. They could come off one of their roosts in the surrounding area. And where I was going to, the water was about stomach deep on my six foot two frame. And to make matters a little bit more interesting, I had some. Uh, I had a guy that was out on his first ever duck hunt. The wind was being tricky and I had a clear sky. And so I was just in this really unique situation where all the spots that I had that were fixed, that had the sun where I wanted them, that had really good concealment, uh, were going to mean that birds were going to fly basically right over me to set up the land of the decoy spread. And so I was, I was really in between having to make decisions over, am I going to maximize my concealment? Am I going to maximize the sun? Am I going to maximize the wind or what's the trade-off that I'm going to do? And keep in mind, like my boat has a blind on it too. So I've got that as an option uh, too. So uh, I was I was kind of a little bit in a pickle, and it really got me thinking um, a little bit about the great concealment debate. And so I had some experiences the last couple of weeks that have definitely solidified my opinions on the matter, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you today about it. I think when we, and perhaps this is incorrect, but I think that as we continue this conversation, we talk about a triangle, right? Yeah. And in that triangle, you know, on the top, you've got wind direction. On the lower left hand, you've got sun. And uh, I think on the, you know, the bottom right, you just have natural cover. And if if you can be right in the middle of that triangle and you're pulling from all three of those things, that's great. But we've all been, uh, you know, at a place where we have to choose or we just, you know, per happenstance, we choose one over the other two. And it seems like you never get on some days, like it just seems like you can only get one or you can only get two. Uh, I don't know. Have you been in an instance where you've had in all three? Um, well, I mean, the spots that the spots that I go to right now, I, I have set up. So the wind in the wind where I'm at comes generally out of the same direction, uh, which I, I like I hunt this river and the I, I look for places, the bends of the river, uh, and I look for these sloughs that let me utilize the natural cover to the best of my ability in conjunction with the wind. So I do shoot for all three. Um, and since I'm taking so many new hunters out uh, on trips lately, like it, it's been something where I'm really trying to keep that in mind too, because I think experience plays into the concealment, like new hunters, like I was taking a father and his 10 year old and a six year old out. And, and that's a different kind of concealment question because they're not going to sit as still, like you can't keep them in a boat necessarily because it's going to make ripples on the water. Um, and so I, I do have places and that's something that I look for when I'm, I'm marking spots is to, to find that sweet spot. But yeah, usually you're right. Like you're going to have to make a trade. And when the conditions change, like what uh, hit me the other day, or when some of those spots get hunted out, you know, I hunt on public land and people, they could show up to your blind sooner. And when that happens, uh, you know, you got to improvise. And um, that's, that's kind of where I was at the other day. And, and I was, I was really in a quandary because here's the other part. Sometimes the wind plays a role in concealment. Like if you've got a really good front facing, facing blind, um, but the birds have to fly over the top of you. How's that concealment now? You know, like what's that top down perspective? Absolutely. You know, talking about being on just one edge of the triangle there. I went out with a buddy and he was like, yeah, don't worry about a blind. Don't worry about cover. I said, okay, sounds good. We're just going to, we're going to tuck up into the trees right next to the lake. I said, oh, that's fine. We get up to the edge of the lake and there's like no cover <laughs> at all. And I'm like, dude, all, all this way. And like, there's like, 
Like we could we could have easily brought a blind on the stuff. He's like, oh, dude, don't worry about it. The sun's gonna be in their eyes. Everything's gonna be fine. No, dude, I know, <laughs> but this is this is what I'm saying. We shot like close to a four man <laughs> limit that day, and granted, it was all divers, so they were coming in, you know, lower, yeah, um, to the water, you know. But uh, yeah, he really convinced me that you can you can use the the sun as as uh, concealment, but I don't, that was the first time I'd really done that. I always know that I want the sun and the wind at my back, but, uh, if I'm going to choose one or the other, I usually choose the wind at my back. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, why, why are we talking about this? Like, why are we talking about concealment? And I think that, you know, for all the hunters out there, you know, game animals, they depend on their senses to survive. Um, Ducks, they're very well adapted. Their eyesight, they're scoping out landing areas. I mean, and you think about the ducks that have made it down a flyway. They've learned to recognize threats. You know, they've spent their whole lives. And, and you know, to, to bring this up to a further point, you know, like what, what kind of geese do people aim for mostly? It's the juveniles. It's the ones that haven't seen it, right? Because those seasoned ones, um, they've seen it before and they get smart on it. Um, and they see those habit patterns and they understand what dangerous objects are. And they start to look for them. And I mean, Ben, how many times have you sat underneath uh, circling geese and just seen the geese moving their heads side to side, looking for those things down there? <laughs> yeah, many times. And many times I've seen them laughing over their, their shoulder wing. You know, <laughs> right. like, like saw you. I mean, I saw ducks. I saw some ducks do it the other day. I mean, they come around and they circle and you can literally see their heads moving side to side and they are looking they're looking for those threats. And it's, it's very interesting to think that you were like, Hey, you're, you're landing in the middle of the water. Like what's possibly going to come and grab you at the middle of the water. But what have they seen for thousands of miles? Um, you know, a down, down a flyway, you know, they've seen boats, they've seen hunters, they've seen blinds, they've seen shapes and they, they learn to make those changes, you know, last introductory comment that I have uh, going into this discussion is that, I'm a guy, I like to get there super early so that I can hang out, relax, drink my coffee. But there's always this parable. You know, every second that I'm sitting there thinking, ah, yeah, the spread's out, blind, the hide's good. Every second that I'm sitting there, you know, there's a little creep in the back of my mind that's like, yeah, maybe you should just go, you know, hack down a couple more branches, throw in front of you. Maybe you should go do this. And I would say a good 50% of the time, when sun up is around, I go, dang it, I should, we should have been doing, should have cut more branches down. I mean, you can't, you can't, yeah. it's like, it's like you were talking about in the beginner's episode when you're tagging along on your first hunt or whatever, like you can never have too much brush. Like you can never have too much concealment. I mean, just pile it on. <laughs> like you're, you're never going to look as uh you know, you're always going to wish you had more. So. Right. Right. All right, before we get into this conversation, want to address a little bit of housekeeping. You've probably noticed that you're hearing some advertisements that aren't specifically waterfowl related or anything of that nature. After an opportunity arose with our network to be able to insert ads dynamically, how they are now, we're taking a little bit of a step back from the marketing world. We might, you know, we might not always feel like this, but for now, we just wanted to be able to provide you with a platform that's devoid of bias from a producer slash endorser standpoint. And I don't think uh, I really ever want any of you to wonder, do we really feel a certain way about a product or are we just being paid to say it? Even though that can't exist. Um, but anyways, we have chosen to have the ads dynamically inserted in this manner and we do want to keep the lights on over here. And so we're going to have ads. 
What, what kind of ads have you been hearing? Uh, let's see. I had JC Penny the other day. I had a gentleman who I was showing the Foulfront podcast to. He pulled it up, and the first ad he heard from was a investment company like Prudential or something like that. You know, like uh, Wells Fargo. So there's several of them that are out there now. Me, JC Penny, Louis Vuitton. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> awesome. All right, so folks, sorry about that. Let's get into concealment. Yeah. So I think the biggest, you know, I've been the first question that I ask myself when I get into concealment and, and there's so many different varieties of it, but I think the very first thing, like first things first is like, how are you hunting and what are the environmentals? So like Ben, where you're at up there, what are your environmentals? Like what, what landscape are you hunting in most of the time? When I'm hunting, there is generally three things that I'm looking for from the, if when I'm internet scouting, uh, and most of the time I'm either standing in trees or I'm on some sort of scrub brush, like, you know, the 12, 15 foot tall, um, lake scrub that you get around there. Uh, or I'm on an open bank of some sort. And then not to mention, you know, there, there's also the fields as well, you know, cut corn, right cut beans. Uh, I won't get into that, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, yeah. but that's what I'm looking for. I'm usually looking for, okay, that's probably going to, uh, provide a little bit of cover for me. Yeah. Like, I, I you know, where I hunt here, we have kind of, a, we have a fairly unique environment and, you know, and, and this, you know, what your environment is one year may be different from another. Cause like you said, you guys are in like flood stage right now and you're like hunting out of the tops of trees. And that looks, you know, like your duck marsh camouflage, is probably not as good as your deer hunting real tree, uh, you know, camo. Like it probably that, oh, yeah. that probably looks better right now when you're in that when you're in that environment. Um, well, let me say we're no longer in flood. Well, stage. that's nice. So <laughs> we're in mud stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you know, for me, what changed between this year to last is that you know last year uh, the lake I hunt was really high. We were hunting out of the tops of trees. You couldn't really get to the shoreline, um, and and so your concealment plan like different this year. It's dropped down a little bit. We have a little more vegetation that's grown up along the edge because the summer let some come up, and and it's and it's a little bit different. So we're in a little bit of that marshy, you know. But if you're you know if you're in the marsh or you're in timber, you're in fields. Um, you know, I think that establishing that environmental that you're in and then what are the common shapes and patterns in the area that you're hunting? And this, what, you, you know, I saw an example of this where a turkey hunter hid in a tractor tire in the middle of a field. He like got in the middle of the tractor tire and that was his blind. And, and you sit there and you'd be like, why, like how, why that's the most unnatural thing? Well, no, it's been there for it's been in the environment for a long time and it worked. The guy killed a big Tom and it, you know, so it's like ducks. Like I, I did see, um, I had a pond up in Kansas actually that I used to drive by pheasant hunting and it was surrounded by junk cars, like on all sides, it was just a junkyard and this pond like that was in the middle, but ducks were piling into it. You could have sat in a junk car and shot ducks and that would have been your blind. Um, and so it's like, what are the familiar shapes that these animals are used? Did you ever, did you ever? No, I didn't. I, I sounds like a missed opportunity. Uh, I agree. I should have done it. I think it would have been a great story. Um, but it, it just goes to show that like, if they're familiar with things in the environment, familiar shapes, and it's safe to them, then that's what you should be looking to camouflage yourself in. Um, I mean, you can shoot ducks out of a car if they're used to landing in front of them all the time. 
So, uh, not, not a, uh, not your own. Yeah. Car. Like don't pull your car, up. a junk car. <laughs> yeah, like don't, <laughs> don't think you could just pull your truck up, you know, but, um, sure. sure. I mean, I, I think that's pretty interesting. And so, you know, the common shapes and patterns. And so if you're hunting out of the timber, or the tops of trees, that real tree might look better than the marsh. And, um, you know, I don't know. How did you change your, did you change up your camo scheme at all? Like with the water level? Yeah. So last year when we actually had marsh vegetation and I could take out a marsh stool and, you know, plop down in some grass and some reeds, uh, I would really rely on my camouflage, right? You know, looking, okay, I'm going to pick this jacket today because I know I'm going to go hunt some cattails or I know that I'm going to go stand next to the trees. So I'm going to pick this one. Um, and when, when I'm this year, I'm going with a lot more like flat neutral tones. Um, especially if the weather's not bad, I'll just wear one of my brown hoodies that I have. Um, because I, I look just like a, a glob of mud <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's definitely like when I'm in a field, I'm, I'm always in a blind in the field. So I don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, but I don't, I don't generally wear camouflage inside the blind. Yeah. I, that's, that makes perfect sense because what, it, what are you against? You know, like what's your background? Um, you know, I th- the next point that we had here is like, what angle are you being seen from? And not just what the approach angle is, but, and when I say the approach, like, you know, if the birds are cupped up coming in front of you, well, where do you expect them to come from? So like where are the spot that I was hunting this past week, the birds were going to come over the top. Like there were some birds that were going to get pushed off the main lake and they were going to come over the top of my blind. Um, and so what does that look like to them now? You know, what's the top down look? Because they're looking the whole time. Um, you know, what is the angle that they're going to see? And I think there's a few times where I would have benefited greatly from just being in a brown hoodie, you know, like just a brown look like the ground top from the top uh, that might have uh, kept a little, you know, kept some birds from flaring off. You know, you, that kind of brings me up to um, something I noticed. I don't know if I, I learned it a long time ago. I'm certain, but because but what I really like kind of noticed this year was I had my little two man boat. Uh, blind that mm-hmm. I showed you, right? The low yep. profile one. Well, from the from the top, you know, it it'll look like a long slit with you know two duck hunters yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a there was a spot where uh, I I know if the ducks are going to be coming from open water and they're going to be coming, you know, somewhere between water and horizon, not dropping right over in the top of me, like not parachuting down in and onto me, um, that I can get away with that. And I don't, I don't worry about getting any overhead cover, but when we're in a, like a tight situation where I know that birds are going to pass once, twice, I'll give up a little bit thicker cover, um, or concealment in order to have a little bit more overhead. I, um, and so, you know, a technique that I used for this, when I was building my shore blinds, I carry some 550 cord in my bag, in my blind bag, and I tied off some 550 cord about six feet up, so just right at my my head level, uh, between two trees, and I I leaned branches across, and I created like a lean over the top, um, you know, some real tall uh, shrubbery, you know, like got some the longer sticks, and and used that to create that brace to get that top coverage, um, because I was I was having the same thing, birds were coming over. Uh, and I, and I didn't want them flaring off before they ever had an opportunity to see the deeks or, or, or work in. 
Um, and so that's how I kind of got away from that. Now my boat, my boat's a totally different story. Like my boat blind does not have a top on it. And that is something I'm, I'm wrestling with trying to solve right now because there are times where I need to hunt out of my boat, whether the folks that I'm going with or the people that have uh, come along, like they, they, for whatever reason, can't get in and out of the blind. Like I took some new hunters out. They didn't have waders, um, which kind of makes even getting on a shore blind. Like, yeah, I've got a surface drive and I can run pretty far up, but you still need, you know, sometimes you need a big old long, <laughs> right? Yeah. You still need something. And, and so, um, I've been thinking about how can I get that top coverage, um, and and I didn't really solve that problem the other day. What I ended up doing is, I uh, I got out of the boat, and like I said, the water was about chest deep, and I ended up cutting down all kinds of shrubbery and just piling it on my duck blind to where eventually you just had like three. And then I actually got out of the boat and sat in the water. Like I got in the water, and the two folks in the boat stayed there. Uh, and they just had like their heads basically were sticking out of the brush and we were able to create enough breakup that it, 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 it'll let them get their limit, which was great. But yeah, the angle that they're coming from that angle of approach is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We got the angle. We got, you know, the different types of stuff. Let's, uh, you know, how do we break up? What, what are some things that we need to do when we're looking at our hide? Well, so, you know, very few items in nature have hard straight lines, but humans, what do we think? You know, like we like neat, we like, like everything we build for the most part has a, a hard straight line. And if you look at camouflage, that's exactly what it's designed to do is designed to break up the lines and, 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 and break up your own outline. So, um, that's the first technique to do, you know, like whatever you, whatever conveyance you've used to get to your blind, like you've got to hide that stuff far enough away. I could talk a little bit in a minute, like how sometimes maybe you don't want to hide that. Yeah, right. Maybe you push it somewhere else to keep birds from landing over there. Um, but you, you're going to want to break that stuff up. So Ben, like, how do you break up your blind frames? Like when do you, do you use a frame blind by the way? Like, do you hunt out of like a tangle free panel, yeah. panel blind yep. or something? No, I have an HTR uh, Innovations A-frame blind, and then I've got a couple layouts, um, and then I have a couple other blinds of my own invention. But one of the biggest things that I do is I will stick like big pieces of brush, not just you know in the, on mm-hmm. the blind. I'll stick it around there, like four or five feet yeah. out from it, to f- kind of feather yeah. it out, you know, so that. Um, and I've, I've found that when we started doing that, our hide got better. Like, so yeah, we brushed, we brushed up the blind really good, but then, um, we started taking the first time I ever did it with, was actually with a Christmas tree. Okay. Um, we had, we had no cover on, on this, on the end of this pond. And, uh, there was a bunch of, you know, cedars out there, um, on the property and we couldn't we kept flaring the birds off of our a-frames but we wanted to hunt out of the a-frame we wanted to prove that we could do it and so this was right after christmas we went and took a bunch of uh, people's uh, (laughs) christmas trees and got the little stands and just put them around our blind and i'm telling you what it worked yeah it breaks up the it breaks up it, it makes it look less obvious than what's in the natural surroundings um, you know, like my boat, um, I, I bought, I bought several sheets of just camo netting, 
you know, I just got a, I got a bigger boat, so I had to buy some bigger sheets, but the camo netting. And one of the things that I do before I put the camo netting over it is I might lay my push pole across it at a weird angle. I might, I'll leave my seat posts up or I'll leave my, my grab bar up or I'll, or I'll angle it in a different way just to create some irregularities in that sheet. Uh, or, and then I'll lay the bushes, you know, or the brush over the top of that. And that seems to disguise those hard lines well enough that it keeps, um, you know, it, it makes it less obvious. Now, when I'm hunting out of the boat, like I just said, I, I usually will pile more on it. I use the camo netting and now I am more careful. So the boat blind that I have, um, actually it uses separate posts. It's a flex blind, which they, it's a Wiley Outdoors flex blind, which they, I think they quit making a long time ago because I can't find them anywhere. But one of the nice things about it is it uses individual clamps and posts. So unlike like an Avery quick set or a beaver tail that has like a, a solid frame that goes across it, these have like six different posts that you can angle independent and different lengths of each other and really create a lot of irregularity in the shape of your blind. And I like, I really like that feature a lot. Um, and then I could pile things on it um, and, and break up that outline and it's worked pretty good. So now there are a couple of spots that I have that have a couple of, other alluring areas that a bird might want to go to than my spread. And what I've done then is I'm very obvious about not hiding my boat. I push my boat over there and I put it in the middle of one of those spots or I put it up against the bank to, to force the birds to go where I want to go. So you can use a, you know, the concealment or non-concealment to your advantage and disadvantage either way. So I think, uh, I think Fred Zink in a mo in a, in one of his episodes that I, I saw like a couple years back, they talked about a technique called nobody's home where they would, if all the birds were landing um, on the other side of the, the pond or the watershed, they'd go set up a bunch of like, a couple like very unhidden mm -hmm. lines right over there. And the birds would then start yeah. coming to them. I mean, you can use, you can use it, you know, when you understand um, when you understand what they're looking for and this, or like what, what flares them, like you can use that as your advantage. And there's been some times before where my blind, um, where I had a friend, my friend and I were hunting out of one and the birds would, would not finish where we were at. So we got out of our blind, we picked up about six deeks and we walked a hundred yards down the shoreline threw those other six birds out and then stood against the trees and shot our limit that way. You know, I mean, yeah, like if you, if there's just something that you can't fix, that's sitting there like get up and move go somewhere else you know or go make yourself less obvious and if the birds are all landing over there well or even if they're you know if they're interested in your area but they're not landing where you're at that's a way to get around that you know you can make yourself look a little bit and i think that works better on the late season birds you know like where we're getting right now that um you know if you're not already running smaller spreads with more emphasis on your concealment then that's a way to get to so and and you know, the same thing goes for boats, like sleds, carts, anything else you're using to get out there. Um, I mean, what do you do with your carts and stuff when you walk in? Do you, do you use a cart when you walk in? or Sleds. We use a lot of sleds. Um, or I will drag my kayak in with all the stuff on there. And generally what I do, um, if we're hunting a pond type of situation, I'll literally almost walk that thing back. Gotcha. Uh, I'm, I'm being funny, but um, I will go. You know, I'll walk it off 100, 150 yards and put it underneath of a coniferous tree or something like that. If we're in the marsh, um, I'll kind of look behind me. And if there's a, a like a little inter, you know, intervening line 
Um, I, I'll just stuck. I'll just stuff it behind there. I don't get too too worried about it, especially if it's if there's real thick yeah. uh, vegetation that I can just stuff it in there where I can't almost hardly get it out. That's that's how I go about it. So. Yeah, and I mean, it, like I said before, I use camo netting. Um, I use the cheap stuff, you know, like I use the cheapest camo netting that Academy can sell me or, or whoever else, if I can salvage something the better, because it's one of those things that like, you're going to have to sometimes go against your human instinct here. Like the more ragged, the better for this, you know, like if you've got it and it's beat up and it's raggedy, then it's probably doing its job, breaking up the mount that, the outline that you want it to do. So. Yeah. And if guys have a bunch of stuff still in the, in the decoy sled, um, or the jet sled, I will, I'll throw a the decoy bag over it so that it kind of just covers everything up. I'll do that too. Another thing I wanted to make a comment about, you know, I, I said coniferous trees and it kind of jogged my memory. Um, pretty much any place you go, at least where I'm at, um, you can see a coniferous tree in the distance more than likely on that property. And if you misjudge the situation and the hide is bad, like those things always provide ample concealment. Um, and generally nobody gives a, a hoot about cutting off bows of, um, you know, an invasive tree. coniferous species. Yeah. And so you can take those things and really, um, I did this when we were hunting with Elliot um, and his dad from freelance duck hunting and his boys. Um, we set up on this little, little tiny marsh um, and we thought we were going to be able to hide in the cattails and the cattails when we got out there in the reeds, they were not, uh, they were, it was not adequate cover. So I went, I literally just started hacking off some bows and shoving them in the mud. And we just sat, we made a blind literally out of just yep. bows. Um, and they're, and they're um, good fillers and you could put a lot in it. I mean, a blind I built uh, the other day, I, I did the same thing. I cut off some coniferous trees because they, 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 and they stay green for a really long time. And even when they die, like the leaves typically stay, you know, the needles or whatever will stay on them and, and still provide yeah. the same effect of filling in the gaps. Um, yeah. Like they're, it is, it is really, really handy. So. And if you're from the Southern region, um, one of the things that I found that makes some of the best the best like filler and um, concealment is palm tree leaves. Yeah. Palm tree uh, cane. So like around here we have cane breaks. You can go and cut like from the side of the road. Um, Those make a lot of, they get really leafy. I do see a lot of people uh, in the South, like they look for palms, like especially after storms where landscape companies go clean them up and people will pile them on the side of the road and you can go gather that, you know, go gather them. Oh Yeah. All the work's done. Right, you just go pick you. it up. And I would literally, you know how they kind of like fan off into like, into like if you spread your hand out, they kind of fan off like yep. that. I would just hack them down and I would just attach them, um, you know, a couple at a time. And I honestly, I think for like three years, I had the same base on that, on that boat blind on my 10 foot uh, John boat. And they're so hardy. I mean, they, they make roofs yeah. out of the dang thing. The that yeah, just thatch so. roofs. Um, so like the the cane is good for that. The the palm is good for that. Um, there's a, like a, I was trying to think. There's another bush around here. Sage can be okay with it if it's around because it's usually pretty thick and, and hardy. Like sage, like I see I've seen a lot of that here in Utah. You know, like sage bushes. You go cut pieces of that off. Um, right. The other thing that we've got here is um, oh, it's. Um, like we have the mes- we have mesquite trees too, but 
Oh, yeah, that's just awful. But I mean, you know what? It, it, it fills in as long as you can get past like carry leather gloves with you. you know? Oh yeah, that's terrible. Actually, um, also if you're in a state with tumbleweeds, yes. Uh, the first, <laughs> the first blind I ever hunted out of was a tumbleweed blind. So yeah. we just drove down the 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 Rio Rio Grande there, and um, I just right along the big old fence that yeah. they have there. Bunch of tumbleweeds, drug them down to the to the shore, made a little blind for myself. It can work. So, anyways, I think that's you know the biggest technique to take away here is is the hard lines. You know, whatever thing that you've got, whatever hard line, you know, whatever uh, thing you have, try to make it look as irregular as you can, and if, and 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 break up those straight edges uh, on the things that you've got uh, from the angles that you expect the birds to see you from. And that, you know, if you generally follow that rule of thumb, and then here's the other part, when just when you think you've got enough, take a step back, you know, if you've got your headlamp on or your flashlight and shine your light at it. And and really what you're going to go for is with no one in the blind is you don't want to see where the opening in the blind is. You know, like you don't want to know like where exactly you're going to be sitting. Yeah, so if that, it's that broken 100%. up, then you're probably doing pretty well. And then go, and then one of the things I do is um, I have people go, uh, or, you know, when I walk out to pick a bird up, I make a conscious effort to look at the blind with people in it to see how do they look, you know, like, how does this look? And then I'll make some adjustments that way. Um, you know, it's, you don't have to get it right the first time, but, um, you know, evaluate that as the morning goes on, um, and, 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 you know, brush some more in. Cause usually it's not that hard to go pick up a few more sticks and like break it up more. But anyways, I think that that gets enough into that. You want to move on to the clothing now? Well, hold on. Oh, you more. more. Right. You're a boatman. Yes. I'm a kayak. All right. All right. I've no, I've been known to hunt out of a canoe before. All right. Um, when it comes to paint schemes on your boats, what do you go for? I'm always looking for, okay, what I'm going to match the water, not the vegetation. So, all right. This is probably going to ruffle some feathers here. I think, I think, paint schemes on boats are for hunters, not birds. So like, I think that a lot of, you know, like you see these really elaborate paint schemes. Now I, I think that if you are hiding your boat, you know, the, like I think it definitely can't be like neon orange or white, you know, like that's probably not going to do much, but if you put, if you're parking your boat a hundred yards or 200 yards away from where you're hunting, then it, it, it probably doesn't have much of an effect. I do. So I, you know, my boats have all had different paint schemes on them. The first boat that I built, I just painted it a flat tan, ultra flat tan. Um, and I found that that, you know, blended in with the water from different angles. And here's the other part. I've got a blind on it and most blinds cover the entire boat. So as long as I'm not being ridiculous with the color that I've got, and it's just a flat earth tone, that's what I go for. Now, the boat that I've got now, it's got like a leafy, you know, a leafy camo scheme on it. And, and it, it's kind of a good universal. It'll fit in many places. Um, but I, I, you know, I see a lot of these elaborate paint schemes on it. And I can tell you, I've hunted out of just an ultra flat boat with a, with some rudimentary blind on it. And it has killed just as many birds, um, than something that has the, the $800 upgrade option, you know, with Cryptek or whatever. <laughs> I go, I always go like flat brown with, um, I'm sorry, I got to say something real quick. Just in case you guys were wondering like, 
what the recording scenario looks like. So, you know, you got me and Alex, we're on, we're on uh, Skype and I, you know, I'm sitting in my bathroom and, <laughs> and Alex, he is like, hands like uh he's laying on like sabrina bed, the teenage witch like yeah on on his stomach uh drinking a coors light um and like i don't know it's, just, it's very funny to me i'm sorry it, it was distracting. oh so, well, hold on I, do i need it uh, i could get no better no 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 you're, you're fine you're fine you're fine if there was better options here uh, i would use them so okay like i said we uh i i go with a very you know, flat brown to kind of match the water. And uh, I, I've found that I think that's, I think it's better to match the water than it is. to. Absolutely. I mean, I think if, and you can't really go long, wrong with that. And I will tell you like in my boat right now, I carry um, three cans of spray paint. I carry, I, I go, I went to Lowe's. I got some ultra, I got some, Oh man, are you about to, you got, you got something to say over there? <laughs> I'm on a roll right now. Go ahead, continue your story. I carry three cans of spray paint, and they're all ultra. They're all ultra flat. And you know, if I see something shiny in a boat, I I'll just spray it. You know, like I've uh, my boats are my boat is made that way. You know, like there's nothing in my boat right now that you can't hit with some rustoleum to break up. You know, the, to get the shine off. And it, it's mostly things that are shiny. I was telling you the story the other day where I was sitting out of the boat and I had my surface drive was up. I had it wrapped, you know, because most surface drives, they have mercury switches on them where um, you can't start the motor in the water because they don't have a neutral or a reverse on them. So, like, when that motor cranks, the prop's spinning. And so, you have to lash them down. And I had some birds that were that were working in from the left, which was just so happened to be the side that surface drive was on. And, and for whatever reason, they'd start, they'd flare off and they wouldn't finish. And, I mean, you can eye roll all you want, but I got out. I, I'm, I'm laughing. I got out, I got out of the boat continue. with a can of the ultra flat green and I sprayed every bit of that surface drive that was sitting out of the water that I couldn't put camo netting on. And we finished out, we, we ended up doing pretty well the rest of the day, you know, so. What did, what did your people in the boat? Think? Um, I mean, they were, I, I, you know, the birds weren't finishing. And I think like at that point, anything that was, you know, we're fidgeters kind of by nature. Like if things aren't going the way we're, we're going to go out and we're going to mess with something. And I think they were just like, okay, he's messing with something. Like he's trying to make it better. But in my mind, I was like, what are they seeing from over there? And that is not, you know, and, and I looked, you know, these, this, these props are bright silver and I don't know, you know, I sprayed it and it worked for, it worked for me, you know? Um, so you're saying there's a, there's a market out there for um, flat, uh, props. Sure. I mean, the problem is, is that it's not going to, you know, the finish is never going to hold on unless it's kind of like straight up anodized. But, um, you know, there's like, I, yeah. I just hit it with the spray paint and it took, you know, five seconds to spray it all over. And, you know, I felt, I, you know, at the very least I felt good about it. You know, I felt good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got that off like a duck commander video where I, you know, Phil was talking about, he car he carries spray paint in all of his blinds and if it's shiny, he just sprays it. So, you know, I got three, three cans depending on the color I need. Good. All right. Now let's move on to clothing. Mm. We've already touched on it briefly. Yeah. What's your, what's your, what's your duck getup? What's your duckseedo? Oh man, my duckseedo. So I have, I've got a, um. I got a set of uh, the frog tog waders, you know, in the real tree max five or whatever the, the marsh, the marsh Brown. And then I've got a Cabela's that I've got their Northern flight three in one parka, which I, 
I have, I think is a great product. Like I've had it now for two years and, it, and what's nice is like the, the parka part on the outside is all max five, but the inside, the, the, the piece that's inside of it, it's got a, um, it's got like a, a, a brown top on it, you know, like the shoulders are brown. So if you're looking at it from the top, it's not solid. Yeah. Um, and then I usually wear a, a coyote brown, you know, like undershirt. I wear one of my work shirts as an undershirt underneath that. The last two times I went out hunting, it was 70 degrees out. And so I was, I was actually in my waders and my, and just my brown shirt and it, it worked fine. So that's, I, I, I carry layers and all my layers are, um, the environment that I'm hunting in right now, it kind of works for it. There have been times where I have carried my, um, where if I'm, I know that I'm going to be hunting in timber, like, or I'm going to be hunting, not timber, but like that brushy, high water, you know, type flooded wood that I'll, I'll wear my, like my deer hunting, you know, my deer shell basically over it. Um, so yeah, that's my get up. What's yours? You know what? I want to say that this last year, the motto of my duxedo is the vest life is the best okay. life. Vest man. What a, yeah. What a versatile tool of clothing. Um, because on a, on a, you know, if you're kayaking in, you can just have that thing on open with like a couple layers and you can have your jacket somewhere else and it keeps your core warm where, you know, it still allows your freedom of movement, some freedom. Yeah. Plus it's just an, a great little, uh, layer to it. Anyways, though, um, I am, uh, I don't, I'm a, I'm going to out myself here. Okay. I am super into plaid. Okay. Plaid. And it's, <laughs> and it is so much about me. <laughs> like how I like it. it has you know, just nothing um, like a classic dark green and brown plaid. <laughs> oh man. And my wife and my sister-in-law hate, <laughs> hate this plaid shirt that somebody bought me this year. And cause I, I wear it hunting. I wear it to church. <laughs> I wear it to, I wear it everywhere. And, uh, man, that thing is nice, even though it is like, I think it's a hundred percent cotton, which is terrible <laughs> for duck hunting. But if it's like, I don't know, I just like it a lot. It, it adds some confidence for me. I mean, it, it, it does a job of breaking up an outline. I mean, if you look at plaid, it, it is an irregular. It does have a lot of different colors in it. I mean, I think that's why plaid was first. I, I don't know the history of plaid. And it sounds like you're more into plaid than I am. So, uh, you know, God, I might just slick this. It's also, it also connect. If, I told you like I, I, last episode, I was like, there's a very strong part of me that like wishes that when I go hunting, that it could look very similar to like how my great grandfather was yeah. hunting. You know what I mean? And I think the plaid is a great way to touch roots. I, I do. I mean, kind of going back to the boat camo schemes, you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of things, um, are for the hunter, you know, like they're, they're more like, they're just, they're just for us. Um, it makes us feel good, but you know, there is something to be said for having confidence. Um, and there is, there is something to be said for, you know, highly pressured animal, you know, like, like I said, with like turkeys and things of that nature. I mean, like ducks are, are not, you know, geese, especially like there is something to be said for, you know, your clothing can make a difference sometimes, but is it the difference maker? Like, I don't think so. Like, as long as you're not in the neon, you know, the neon color schemes, or you're not being like totally you know you're not totally out to lunch yeah i mean 
Are you ready for the uh, the bold the bold comment of the podcast? The one that like will get us our uh, another like nasty oh, review. Go on for iTunes? it. I'd rather shoot one duck in plaid <laughs> than six in Optifade or whatever. I, I mean, if that's what like you know, if if hunting is about getting out and enjoying yourself and kind of doing it, the, I mean, like we've talked about, I'm a fly fisherman, right? Fly fishing is not the most efficient way. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is the most efficient, but I would six times out of ten, it is not the most effective way to catch as many fish as you can catch in a day. You know, and I, I tell people like, if you want to eat carry worms and a hook and a bobber like that will get you fish you know but i i I fly fish because i like to do it that way you know what if you like to kill one duck in plaid you go kill one duck in plaid and have a good day (laughs) that's right baby i'm like i hate on that it made me this is another thing just like this is like one of my proudest moments this season when i took my wife out it was a little cold and uh i was wearing my plaid shirt and my in my vest and she turns around at one point and she says, hey, aren't you, uh, aren't you kind of cold? And I go, nah, baby girl, this plaid keeps me warm. And like, it was perfect. Oh, All right. there we go. Refresher. Sorry. Oh. Uh, so, was that audio crack yeah, there? I didn't uh, know what that uh, was. It's weird. It's the, it's the, it's the core's ghost. Anyway. Okay. Opposite of plaid, let's talk about ghillie suits. Man, they they can work. I actually have a ghillie suit top for turkey hunting. Uh, I haven't busted out for duck season yet, but I have one of those for like forty five bucks at Cabela's. You can go buy one of those like overpant and like top like zipper tops. Um, here's what I love about that piece of clothing. Um, the best part about that piece of clothing is you can wear whatever you want underneath it. And just throw that bad boy on top of it, and you're you're as good as gold. <laughs> like, um, yeah. My buddy Eric Guggenheim, who's a photographer, um, if you want to go back and listen to the episode where I talked to him, he talked a little bit about as a photographer getting on a, getting on a ghillie suit and going being out in the spread, um, and have birds landing over top of you, you know. In a ghillie suit. That being said, I think a ghillie suit's a little hardcore. I, you know, I think that it's one of those deals that for me, it's a tool, right? Like I have that top. I haven't worn it in duck season. I haven't found it necessary yet. And I, the other part too is I think ghillie suits, like unless everybody is in one of them, then, you know, the effectiveness is lost. You know, it's one of those things where like <laughs> if you're in... You're only as hidden as the lowest exactly. common denominator. Like if, if you're sitting in a boat and the boat's not very well hidden and you're in your ghillie suit and the other two, you know, guys that are with you are not like, you might as well not be in a ghillie suit. Um, <laughs> that What's well, kind of funny when you talk about that a little bit, like, so um, when we went out on this hunt uh, with Chad Dawson and I had my dad on my left and I had my buddy Bryce on my right. And we're in the same style of blinds, right? And we started off with my buddy Bryce pulling on the jerk string. And um, man, I just was like, I was able to call and then pull the jerk string and like be ready to shoot with no movement or sound or anything like that from my blind. But like my dad would make like a half an inch twist and and his whole blind would be. And it's just, I think it's like, Really, that's the best thing you can do for concealment is just get in there, learn how to just move your eyes, not your whole head, you know, position your head or know when to look when you can right. look. Right. Yeah. Sitting still. Yeah. 
um yeah that's 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 huge you know i mean like the motion part that was one of the things when i had those two kids out um that first off they were they were awesome i was i was super impressed like this uh the dad that came out with him it was the 10 year old's birthday the six-year-old brother was on his way around and i actually i brought i gave him a teal whistle about halfway through the night and just told him how to like peep 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 and side story here he peep peep peeped teal came in his big brother shot it and they were like high-fiving each other in the blind like highlight of the morning for them you know um but i told them i was like hey you know when you hear me call um put your heads down and sit real still and they did and and, i mean they weren't they didn't have to be the most camoed up people and the blind was pretty good uh you know the blind they were in was pretty good but they did you know and like and there was only one of us at any point in time that was moving and i told them i was like hey i'll call the shot you know, stay still. And, and I, like, I was the only one that, and it, I think there is something to be said for like learning. Uh, so one, if you're the person in the blind and especially if you've got new people telling people that like, Hey, when you hear me say birds and I'm calling like sit still, you know, like wherever you happen to be, like if your head's up, just sit still. Like if your head's up and, and your face is out and you're still and the bird and, and like the, that, that's better than jerking it down when they're looking at you. Cause they'll see that they'll key in on the movement. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think we're to that point in the evening. That you need another beverage or oh man. Oh gosh. The next the next subject. Yeah. I'm gonna let you introduce this since um, you, you seem to have the stronger opinion about it. Okay, I do. I have very strong opinions. Face paint. Face paint for me is reserved for the first day of the season. And it is strictly ceremonial <laughs> and meant to like bring homage to the things that of duck hunting past. Okay. Um, other than that, all face paint does for me is makes me a little bit later when my wife like wants me to be presentable later on that day. Um, and I just makes things messy, gets, gets face paint on my gun. Cause I'm going to itch my nose and I'm going to touch my gun. Um, and I think that you can, there's very few situations where you truly, 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 truly need face paint if you're not a disciplined person. Oh, man. Dude, so many insults were just flung my way. You, I mean, I'm, I'm late. I'm undisciplined. Uh, I have dirty guns, apparently. Uh, I am a proponent of face paint. And I, I will tell you that I'm a proponent of face paint because I can put on all the camo I want. And I could stand in the bushes and somebody can take a photograph of me. And what stands out is my face. Like you can see it. Like it's, it's, it's white, you know, I don't have a, you and I, we can't have beards, right? Like it is this dinner plate of white that just stands out like floating in a bush. Now, I think if you're disciplined, coming back to what you're saying, where you keep your head down and you, and you know when to look and you know, and you know those things, but I, you know, I take people out to hunt and I'm the one that's doing the calling. And here's the thing. Like I know the birds I see, but I don't know the birds that I don't see. And I don't know the birds that might be coming from another angle. And I don't, I, you know, so like I might be keyed in on one group. And so for me, I went to, now I will tell you this. I did, I did some experimentation on finding some face paint that was easy to get off and it wasn't a pain to put on. And it had like a lot of, What's it called? Let's give them a free. Well, the problem. Group. So it, it's it's. I, I hate this. It's the ACU face paint from on at the BX on base. It's the it's that stuff. 
I'm sorry. I, uh, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's like straight up from the clothing sales. Like, um, but you know, I will find, I'll go find it. Like the stuff that I found so far at Academy. Uh, now I, okay. Here's the free promo. The Halloween costume paint. The Halloween costume paint that you get from Walmart is is also is the same type of stuff. It's not as oily and it's made to come off easy. And right now, by the way, you could probably still find it at Wally World for like forty nine cents a tube. Uh, the the lighter the better. Sure. And the other thing that I found out that works really good is burnt cork ash. Yeah, I've I've done I've actually done that. I experimented with that for a season, and I didn't mind that. Because literally, I could be clean before I even got to my truck just by dipping my hands in the water and splashing myself in the face. And now, like, you've seen the photographs with me and and the birds and my face is painted. But I don't have anything elaborate. Like, I take take one of those sticks of face paint. I put one color on. And I... Yeah, but what color? uh, I I have a dark... I have a green. And I have, like, a a tan. You know, it's it's like a tan gray. That, that I put on and it's just, it's just the two that I've got I keep one stick in my waders and I keep two sticks in my blind bag. And the first I, I get in the blind and after everything's set up, I just dab some on my nose, on my ears, rub it around. Like I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not like drawing designs. Like I don't have some Samoan war tribe, you know, like drawing on my cheeks. Um, there's, there's a couple pictures from the Oklahoma opener for zone two last year. That um, I, I took out like I had a group of three buddies that they were brand new to hunting, um, ne- like literally had never hunted before. I, I think they hunted like unsuccessfully some deer a couple years before, um, but we we took them out and they wanted they, we went all out and one of them had a Fu Manchu, <laughs> <laughs> one of them had cat whiskers. What's that? What's that movie uh, with Paul Rudd? Um, uh, role model. Okay. <laughs> somebody, somebody had a star on their face. It was, it was, it was I mean, it, like, I think that, it, you know, like for me, wh- what it is, it's just darkening up. So it's, it's just making my face match the surroundings. So I'm not getting crazy. I'm just putting one, usually one color on and I'm focusing on the high point, like my nose, my ears and my cheeks. And I break it up. Listen, listen, do I know that it's effective and that it works <laughs> and that I could probably, shoot one more duck out of out of out of the marsh yeah yeah i probably could it probably make my life a lot easier i probably wouldn't have to hold a glove up to my face when i'm sky peeking sure you know what i mean um (sighs) hey man but at the same time like uh, opening day always have face paint on it's ready to go. It's not face paint. That's that's war paint, baby. (laughs) you know that's i mean now i will tell you a good solution that's come along are the buffs um, the buffs are a, a good, clean solution. The problem with the the buff is what I've had to do is I, I've used them a couple of times. I've used the turkey hunting masks before. They're also very good. Like that net will break up anything and it's clean. It, I find they kind of get in the way of the calls, you know, when you need it. The, yeah. And I don't like things on my face. If you don't like, then, then they're not going to be for you. Um, I, on the cold mornings, I'll wear a buff without face paint. And uh, I have a hole cut on one side that I can still work my calls with. And, and I have a friend of mine who exclusively uses a buff for that reason, because they're, they're cleaner. He doesn't have to keep up. Now I will tell you, I, I do have some, uh, like some, uh, what are those called? Like the body wipes or whatever in my blind bag. So as soon as I'm, as soon as we're picking up the decoys, like I'm wiping this face paint off, uh, 
or a or you really want to like impress your wife use all of her makeup removal wipes in like one shower. oh gosh i got in such big trouble about oh it's probably been it's it was at the very beginning of the season so my wife has one of these motorized face scrubbers like it's one of those like they get from you know mary Kay, i guess that it's not. It's not the Monet one, I, right? Or what are they? Monet that one? No, I can't remember. No, this this is like a. You know, it's it's like you flip the switch. It's got the scrubber on the end. It's got the brushes. Spins in a circle. You put the little. I I ruined this thing with the duct tape. <laughs> and like, Evie, I will tell you, it was incredibly effective at getting all of the face paint off. It was okay. also incredibly effective of getting me straight to the doghouse. Um, yeah, Alex, but it's what cost? <laughs> I mean, you turned in a man card. You got in trouble with I, your wife. Like, what is paint? What is face paint doing for you right now? Sounds like sounds like it's. Uh, well, it sounds like it's not a great. Well, life so she had an extra one. It turns out of a lesser quality face brand. And after I and after I purchased a replacement scrub brush for the for her like better one, I now have the secondhand one, and it does a great job. I, I can't complain. But yes, I I get it. It is kind of a pain. It it does make it, um, you know, it, it is kind of messy. Um, you know, for me, I I don't know. It's I, I still think it's worth it. <laughs> the debate will rage on. Okay. And yes, it will. And it actually got a little bit more complex. Um, so here's what I kind of want to talk about. We, I never really heard of this term. Um, I've hunted many a dove from just a bucket out in the open, right? Okay. Dove, not duck. Um, I was with a group of what I would consider good friends and they said, no, we don't want to hunt here because bucket sitters hunt this place. And I was like, what's a bucket sitter? And I said, oh, there's people. They go out there and they just literally sit on a bucket in the middle of the marsh. And here's what I want to say. If you're the guy that everyone's probably thinking I'm that guy right now that, oh, he doesn't like face paint. He doesn't he's got wear plaid on. Blah, blah, blah. No, I, he's got plaid on. Um, I do. I go, I really go out all out with my hide. I do. I swear I do. Um, so that I can wear plaid and not wear face paint. But don't be the guy sitting on a bucket, like I'd said in the beginning of this episode, on the edge of the... Well, actually, I don't know. I guess I was that guy. <laughs> but anyways... You were the bucket sitter. What I'm saying, like, in a... in a Like, where you're going to mess somebody else's situation up, you know, four or 500 yards down the, down the, down the road... I just, like, guys, if you think that, like, man, I'm not shooting any ducks, I would look at your hide. I wouldn't wouldn't go buy any more decoys. I wouldn't go buy a new duck call. I'd look at what you're doing in the field to get hit. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you've scouted and birds are landing. You know, so that was that's the case. So, you know, the day that I jumped out and I spray painted the prop on my boat, birds wanted to be there. You know, like birds were landing in this spot. Like I was where they wanted to be. I'd killed several, you know, I'd killed several limits there before. Um, and so that was the thing that was different. You know, you have to evaluate those things when you see, you know, the, the birds. And I, and I think like, yeah, you've got to look at yourself first. You've got to look at what you're doing first um, to, to make, 
you know, to, to make yourself more concealed. Because like I said at the beginning, these creatures rely on their senses and vision for a duck is a big one. Oh, can I say something I mean, real quickly? Sure. I totally forgot about um, just two weeks ago. Remember I was telling you I went out with that buddy of mine who our kids are in the same daycare yeah. and we yeah. met at daycare. Yeah, man. It was like snowing. Like actual snowing. Well, it snowed a couple inches on our way down there. So we were sitting on snow and then we set up our blinds. It was still snowing. And so we got in, obviously, and um, let the snow fall in around us. And I went to kind of like get out and my buddy was like, hey, don't move. And I was like, oh, you see birds? And he said, no, no, but you'll knock all the snow off. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's a good call. And then, so after the first volley, we we were talking, and he's like, oh, yes. And I don't think it's very, like, conservation. Um, maybe it's not great for the environment. But they have that fake snow. Oh, uh, okay. Or at least get some, like, snow sheets. Or think about, how are you going to hunt the snow? You know? In a field situation, because it's it's really hard to just go pick up a bunch of corn stubble and make, you know, a corn yeah. pile that's not been snowed on when everything else has been snowed on. Uh, I would have a white bed sheet, but I mean, I haven't done this before. Like, I just think of like all the things that I have that are white in this world that I could take with me and throw over, you know, like wherever I happen to be. I mean, I did I did a very similar thing hunting from. I told you about when I like I shot my canvas back from a layout blind on like like laying on the bank. We mud we mudded it completely in. Like we just like we took every bit of the brown like real tree max five that was on the layout blind and just slapped caked mud over the top of it and just mudded the whole thing in. I would go eat at Denny's before I did that. What? Why? I, I hate the mud. Well, I mean, it's not like you're laying in it. Like the the mud blind, like the layout blind was was waterproof. You know, it's like it was just putting it on it. You still have a problem yeah. with that? Um, it's, it's no it's a, a non face paint plaid well, wearing okay. non bucket city mud problem. Like, come on, man. <laughs> okay, here's how much I have an issue with mud. Right? <laughs> People say, "Listen, man, I've slept a lot of nights in the mud." All right. I'm not going to do it on my own. Gotcha. Volition. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what I do instead of taking my brand new blind <laughs> or whatever it is and throwing a bunch of mud on it, that's going to wind up on my garage True. floor. I take some dark flat okay. spray paint to just knock right. the shine yeah, off. It works. And I don't do a sure. I just just dust it to enough because you know like when you first when you first get one it, it yeah, looks shiny yeah. honestly you go set it out in the sun it looks shiny you just keep keep hitting it with spray paint and make sure um, that you know where you're at when I was in Oklahoma I used some of that like almost red okay. flat yeah, paint yeah. because um, I mean the clay in there is yeah. extremely red very red. And uh, that worked out super well. I could literally just throw that on a mud flat and not even have to brush in. Yeah. Like 
It was so yeah. Nice. So the the you know mud. So like the spray paint. Like I mean, like I said I carry it in mine, and I've done the same thing on my boat blind before. I've just hit it, you know, with some spray paint. Uh, like I put new, I put a new strap on my my boat to hold the surface drive down. I went to Lowe's. So like I I'm, I'm not gonna go buy you know if I can. I, I bought one of those like tool carriers, you know, and I, I cl- carabinered it in, but it had like red husky writing on it. Yeah, I just took I just took my spray paint and just. <laughs> That's which I, I mean, I think that's one of the best things you could carry with you in a blind bag, honestly, is just a small, like, go buy a can of Rust-Oleum Ultra Flat that whatever the nat- prevailing natural color is in your area. Some places that's green. Down here on this on the South Texas coast, green is still a color, you know, for us uh, in this late in the season. That's true. Um, the, the, what is it? The Wasatch trees or whatever, the ones with it. Oh, I mean, they're awful. But they... Um, but they're still green right now, and so if that if that's around, like carry some ultra flat green with you to break up that that brown spot. So, anyways, I was I was a freshman in high school. Follow along. This is gonna be a this, you're gonna wonder where the story's going, but just follow along. So freshman in high school, my mom said I could pick out whatever bedspread I wanted for my for my new bed because I was moving down to the basement. and got a new bed. So I picked a camo one, right? Yeah. Well, you know, after like seven or eight years of washing, that thing is like gray. (laughs) Yeah, it's faded. You know, just like it's like almost, it's like just gray, dark gray, gray, dark gray. And um, I just, I always kept around as a kind of a dog, um, like a dog comforter. Like So I'd throw my dog Winnie in there and I was up hunting in New Mexico and the only place we could hunt was along these rocks. Like, perfect. Bam. I laid that thing out over the top. Like it was perfect. Yeah. And you know, like to, this is going to kind of blend now into this, this last, the last couple of topics here, but like the, um, I have a dark tarp. And the other thing that I found is over at, at home Depot, they, they sell that reed panel fencing, um, that reed, that reed panel. You could do so much. It's 10 bucks for a 10 foot by four foot, like rollout of it. I learned this hunting with a guy last year who would take it. He would he would uh, he would basically take some black zip ties and zip tie brush to it, and then use that to break up the outline on his boat. Like that's what he laid over the top of his boat between the hunters and the blind. So like there'd be one head, and then he would lay out that one a panel, another one, and then he'd lay out another panel, and it worked brilliantly. Uh, blankets are the same way, like sheets. Uh, I, I went, uh, I was at Academy and I needed something that, so the camo netting was getting caught up in my, my motor. So surface drives have all kinds of, you know, the oil, the, the dipstick thing sticking out the carburetor, all that other, the muffler, the muffler shield. And so I, I needed something to put over it. So I just went to Academy and brought and bought a, uh, one of those shades shields for those pop-up tents and dark tan oh, yeah. and just threw it over the motor and then threw the camo netting over that. Like don't, and, and if you buy things like that, that you can spray paint or put a pattern on like a blank, a camo blanket can do a lot for you in the field. Um, it can really, it can cover up lots of things. It's a very versatile tool, uh, to have around. Um, I'm looking at right now, trying to figure out a way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a dark green tarp I'm going to go to Northern tool. I'm just going to buy a dark green tarp and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to staple some camo netting to it because it's going to make it so much easier to get on and off things. Um, you know, like having some of that around is just versatile um, for a blind, you know, for just even if a shore blind, an A-frame, anything. And, and, and you know what? Even if you don't use it to break up the blind itself, wad it up, throw it to the side and then put brush over the top of it and blend your blind in. Like you said, like feathering things out. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, should we bring it back around to our triangle that we were talking right. about? Okay. This is the last, I think, the last little conversation point here. Oh, you know what? No, it's not. I have one more story. All right. Hey, do you want it? You want it now? I'm or sorry. You later? You tell the story now. I must tell it right now, and then we'll go into the triangle, and then we'll be done. We'll be, we'll be right. out of here. And then people can go back to work and actually focus. <laughs> Instead of thinking about what their next concealment tactic is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and my buddy Dave um, Langdon, we were hunting on a, like a marsh, right? And we were, we were doing our best. We just weren't in the right spot. And we... We heard some dudes banging it up about a quarter mile away from us, half mile away from us. And so we pull up and we're all sad and dejected and just kind of talking, oh, we got a couple ducks, no big deal. Like, cool, we had fun. And these dudes come out of the marsh at the same time as us and they look like swamp monsters. <laughs> they are covered head to toe in mud, but full straps. And you look it over at us, me and Dave, and we look like little pretty boys. Like we are clean, <laughs> sparkling clean. And uh, I was like, dang, you guys, good job. And they were like, oh, dude, you should go back there. They're still flying. And I was like, oh, yeah, point me in the right direction. And he's like, yeah, he, there's not a lot of cover out there. And I was like, oh, we'll make it work. And we get out there. And this, I mean, good guys. They they even gave us like a pace count wow. out there. Man, that is, nice. they're super nice guys. <laughs> Yeah, they said, you see that big tree over there? And I was like, yeah. I go, walk about you know 600 yards. You'll run in, you'll hit two mud flats. And on the third mud flat, that's where you need to be. I was like, okay, sweet. Get out there. And they're like, yeah, we built a small, we built a little blind out there. So you should be good. We get out there and they have like, I mean, it was like three pieces of like, I don't know. They must've been like wiggled down in the mud. We were not about to do that. So we were sitting like Indian style and we brought a bunch of brush in around us and we ended up shooting a limit. It was pretty sweet. So every, this is another important thing and it goes into my concealment. Uh, everything that I own for duck hunting, including my gun is designed to get muddy and dirty. Like, like if I can't rinse it off with WD 40 or a hose at a wash rack, like it does not belong in my duck boat. I have stuff that's sentimental though. Okay. I mean, I, I, I get that. So I went out, I took my double, I took, I have a 1941 side by side, 16 gauge, a leaf fever, super nitro, uh, nitro special. And I took it out the other day and okay. Got it. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going crazy with that gun around, but this past season. So like last year I had, a, I had one of those nice blued and walnut new a fives, new Browning. If I'm a Browning shotgun guy, we'll get uh, yeah, well, we'll get into this, you know, in a, in a later episode with shotguns. You'll hear all about my opinions on that. But yeah, you remember that little thing we said about not wanting oh, to sponsor? Right, yeah. Unless it's oh, Browning. Man. I, so I've I've shot Brownings now for years. And so this, this past year, I, I had this beautiful A5, and I just could not bring myself to bring it into a duck blind anymore. Because it, it, inevitably, things get muddy, they get nasty, and I just need to spray them off with with with, you know... WD 40. And so this past year I, I sold that gun and I bought, I bought one of the wicked wings. I, I know. Hey, I, Hey, don't worry. I've got, I see that I've got a, an old Browning sweet 16, like one of the, one of the originals, but I, I sold this 12 gauge and I bought one of the wicked wings because it, it it's chrome lined. It's got the Cerakote. It's got everything. Like I, I don't worry about getting that, that, that gun muddy. 
somebody told me now that they have uh, clear Cerakote. Really? So that I could go get, because I was telling them, I said, yeah, I would love to like have my BPS. My BPS is like, it's getting rough <laughs> up, man. Like, um, I got to replace the front bead on it because that thing fell off and like, there's like silver showing through like, yeah. you know, and I, but like the thing is, is that it looks pretty cool the way it is right now. And someone's like, dude, just go get it clear, coated. Just lock that look in forever. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't add like the, any sheen to it and it really like that, I, I mean, after my first, after my first real serious season of duck hunting, that's just been how I've run my life now. You know, like everything that goes in that boat has to be that way, you know? And, and a lot of it goes into the concealment because I'm, it's going to be muddy. I'm going to be putting branches around. Like I'm going to be using that material to, to hide. I'm going to be hiding in that. Um, and so it just has to, you know, has to go with it. But anyways, we're getting ready. We're, you know, we're getting away. we got to get to the triangle real quick, you know? Oh yes. Triangle. And then you can go back to, Oh, you skiing yeah, today? Yeah, we're out here on a. So my, you it's, know, my wife went on a three-day duck hunting and goose hunting trip on a, in South South Texas with me, um, and she she loves to ski. And so here is the exchange. I'm just, I you know, we're fortunate enough to be able to do this kind of stuff. So yeah, we're we're out skiing. What slopes? We're in part black diamond, oh, double diamond. No, I just graduated from uh, bunny. Uh, from the bunny slopes. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the blue square right now. I believe they call that intermediate. Everybody. Oh yes, yes, yes. My wife, um, she, you know, her family hails from Europe, um, from, from a little Island of Poland. Um, and, uh, so they were very big skiers, I guess. I guess there's a lot of skiing in Poland. Yeah, It turns out Northern like Europe's got it. So she, she took me skiing and turns out this, the, the place that I'm best on, um, at the, like the ski resort is uh, yes. the bar. Yes. The, hot tub. the bar and the hot tub. That's where I yeah. belong. I, uh, well, I, I've, I put a pretty good effort in, um, on a, on a note on that, when I was riding the lift today, I was talking about, um, my side hobby, my, my, my primary hobby of hunting and fishing. And the guy that I was sharing the lift with was turned out to be a pretty big waterfowler here in the Salt Lake area. And there's about a foot of snow, like there's snow everywhere up here right now. And I was like, how are you doing? I asked him like when the season's close, it turns out their Utah season closes the same time Texas does. It's like late January. And I was like, where are you hunting birds right now? And he goes, oh, I've got a spot. Uh, it's a warm spring. It's this warm spring that comes out, keeps open water when there's a foot. And he goes, crush it every time out here. And I, and I know that Salt Lake, I know that the Salt Lake area is huge on waterfowl. I, I mean, it, it's a big staging area in the Pacific Flyway. Um, and so, yeah, we had a really good conversation about that today. About, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, we're open. We're open here because he goes, the Salt Lake doesn't freeze. So we can hunt it. No. Now you do have to have a mud boat. I'm really hoping to get up here at some point because I would put my boat to to work <laughs> out here. Uh, he goes, other than the salt one, you eat everything. You have to take good care of it. But uh, he's he's got spots and there's rivers down here. And I've seen a lot of ducks, you know, in my fishing expeditions here. So, yeah. Anyways, total aside. Yeah, out skiing. We'll see if I survive tomorrow. Okay. All right. The triangle. Okay. You only get to choose one. The sun, the wind, or D 
decent concealment. I'll choose decent concealment for 500. Wind to your, like, wind coming in your face. So the birds are, like, over, the top. over your head. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll still, I'll still choose decent concealment. Um, because if I am, if I'm concealed over the top and they're not, and that's, I think the key, right? The key is, is as long as when they come over the top that they're not being flared off by where I'm sitting, but they're going to land in front of me. Um, I'll take that. I'll take, because, you know, at that point it's really not much different than shooting pheasants that are flying away from you. You know, I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not hovering. They're not hovering point. over that's your decoys, point. but um, that's the trade. Like now, if they're if they're gonna fly over the top of my blind, and I don't, and my my decent, as I use my air quotes, my decent concealment doesn't account for over the top, then then no, like I'm gonna go with the wind. Yeah, and that like that's not to be like. There's many times where I think the wind is bad because it's at a cross, but that's not bad. You know, especially if the if the sun and the wind kind of line up. There's been a couple of days where it's been really good. Um, okay, long story short, I'm going to choose the wind every time. So I think that. So here's the other thing that kind of. So the other day I did what exactly what you thought. I chose the wind. I, I put my boat. I chose less than optimal concealment, less than optimal sun positioning for the wind. Um, and what I found is that the wind was forecasted to blow like 10, 15 miles an hour, you know, all morning long. But as a general rule of thumb, you know, the wind doesn't start blowing until well after sunup. I mean. And anything below eight mile an hour, 10 mile an hour, doesn't matter. And, and so unless you've got a real strong front moving through, um, you know, like. I, I was kind of kicking myself the other day. I was like, I if I would have known that the wind was not going to be 15 miles an hour until 10 o'clock in the morning, I would have gone somewhere different. <laughs> like I would have moved somewhere else. But how did you not know that using our weather? So app? I looked at the weather app and it and Discussion. it said and it, it said, said the same it. thing. Now here's the other part with that. I did not consider my terrain in the wind. So <sighs> what? Uh, I mean. So, so no, I did not going, consider going. that the fact that where I was going to be had hills kind of on either side of it that were shielding some of that wind for me. And so by the time the ducks circled around and they got beneath basically the hill line, the wind direction didn't matter. Or if they were coming off of the, the river channel that was shielded, you know, generally speaking from the wind, it didn't matter. Like they, they were going to land where they were going to land regardless. I went deer hunting yesterday and I'd never hunted um, this stand on this wind before. And the wind was supposed to be coming from the, I think it was the Northwest. And I kid you not, Alex, I swear that wind was coming dead South. Was it? It, Because, oh yeah, no, because I was, I was right next to a cliff. And I was right next to like, not, I wouldn't call it a cliff, but very steep. And there was like two different ravines feeding into it. And, yeah, you, you cannot. No, and that's and I think that you know something you got to look at. That's what that's why the decent concealment for me like is going to win out. Like if I can if I can hide myself well, um, the wind at you know the times of day that I'm I'm hunting and where I'm at now. If I'm in an open flat, you know I'd have to. I, once again, we hunt in different environments, you know. Um, right. But 
Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm always gonna lean harder towards a concealment because the other day that that just really drove it home to me. Like that wind just wasn't it wasn't enough to change where they were gonna go and where the ducks wanted to come in from based on the terrain and uh, everything else. So, well, all right, I think we've beaten this uh, this blind yeah. up with a stick. Um, anything you want to leave the listeners with this week? No, you know, like I said, keep in mind the, you know, techniques, break up, uh, break up the hard lines. And when you go out to retrieve ducks, always evaluate your concealment, your blind, your boat, um, and where you're at. And if you notice that birds are not one to come in, like evaluate yourself first, uh, and where, and your hide and, and make those changes. Uh, that's that's what I would say, and then you know, take into consideration that that wind and where they're at and how it's going to affect the look the birds are going to give you. You know, if they're going to come over the top, what do you look like from the top? If they're going to come from a certain spot. What is what is the perspective going to be? And constantly evaluate that throughout your hunt because that's probably one of the easier things to change. Um, things that I carry with me to aid in this, I carry the spray paint as we mentioned. I also carry uh, some hedge clippers that I got from from Walmart. You know, just like some inexpensive ones that if I lost them, I wouldn't be heartbroken. But it lets me quickly go and 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 cut down some branches or some pruners. Um, to, to, it, it aids that. And then I carry some paracord because you can shape things with the paracord. You can tie things together and, and, and kind of make, make things look what you want. And then, uh, the, the camo netting, you know, like I said, I, I go buy the cheapest stuff that Academy will sell me. It's like 14 bucks. And Oh, by the way, if you drag it through the, the brushes, it'll pick up all kinds of debris and just make it look even better. So I'd say that those are my, my big things that I carry that make my concealment and my hunting experience better and then face paint. But, you know, that's that's your choice. <laughs> well, you know, Alex, it, at least if, if the if the ducks don't find you handsome, at least they'll find you <laughs> right. handy. So, um, yeah, I just want to uh, leave everybody with uh, overhead cover. Make your own cover if you need to. And then uh, watch out for... The foul front formal slash hunting line plaid coming out <laughs> next fall. With, the, with our co-sponsor, Brooks Brothers. <laughs> That's right, baby. Right. Banana Republic. Uh. All right. Sounds Let's good, end. man. See you out there. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters, because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes, and give us five stars if you think we deserve it, and we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content and if you get in on that facebook group you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.